With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hi there and welcome to Cricket Daily on a grim day for Aussie cricket. I'm Paul Dennett. I'm here with Gav Joshi. We've just just sat and watched Australia get absolutely demolished by the West Indies, so plenty to talk about there. Also, West Indies women have been successful against Pakistan. County cricket is in COVID chaos. The 100 playing conditions have been released and I presume they're causing their usual Twitter storm. Are the IPL and the PSL going to clash next year? But firstly, we'll begin with the good news and that is that Clearly, Chris Gale and Mitchell Stark listen in to Cricket Daily because I bagged them both yesterday. I questioned their positions in the side. What a response. Mitchell Stark, the best bowler for Australia. And Chris Gale played a sumptuous innings like it was 1999. 7-6 as man of the match. Fantastic stuff. So strong response from them. Uh, but Gav, on a serious front, there's going to be a lot of criticism of the Australians in the media. And that's well-deserved. But I don't actually feel... I still don't feel pessimistic about the Aussies. I still think that they could still have a, a very decent uh, World Cup, T20 cricket, turn, two turns up on the day when the Australian stars return to their side. I still think things are okay. What are your thoughts? Well, it depends on who you're referring to, Australian stars. I think Glenn Maxwell and David Warner and Pat Cummins are automatic selection, but I think do they all fit into this 11. I think that's the big puzzle for Australia and that's what they're trying to work out in this series. So I'm a bit like you. I'm not too concerned about the form. It's just... What positions do players play in? I think that's something that needs to be sorted. Uh, but just in the manner that West Indies has demolished Australia in two of the matches uh, is slightly concerning. But Mitchell Stark back to form is a bit of a is is a positive sign. Uh, but I still think the top three there's a bit shaky. David Warner has a played a lot of cricket. Dart Steve Smith fit in. Is he even going to play? Probably not. Um, so huge questions. I think this team might be over-reliant on Glenn Maxwell. That's my biggest issue, uh, just the way that they have batted in the West Indies, Paul. Yeah, the whole Steve Smith one, if he's fit, he's just about the first player I pick. And I know a lot of people think, oh, is he really a T20 player? I certainly think he is, especially in the conditions that we're going to see in the UAE. But as you say, it might be academic with his elbow. In any case, this time Australia won the toss and batted, making a change from what they'd done previously. It was a fresh pitch from the first two games. They made three changes. They brought in uh, Carey and Turner and Meredith and Philippi McDermott and Ashton Agar were left out of the side, which I thought was a little bit puzzling. And Australia never really got going. Wade hit a couple of boundaries early, but then the wickets started to fall. Uh, Finch hung around for a while, but could never get never get going. He finished with 30 from 31 balls. 
Enriquez and Ashton Turner had the sort of substantial partnership, but again, it was very slow. Enriquez, 33 from 29, hit the only two sixes of the innings. Turner, 24 from 22. And in the end, Australia, six for 141 from their 20 overs. Um, Obed McCoy only bowled the one over and then left the field. But Hayden Walsh, again, the leg spinner, starring four overs, two for 18. And it was just a very, very classy bowling performance from the West Indies. And Australia's total always looked like it was going to be uh, quite a few short of what, what was needed. Absolutely, Paul, 142. And West Indies cruised to that total in 14.5 overs. Just shows how uh, well they played in this match and how much they dominated. And in the batting front, I mean, they lost Andre Fletcher early to Mitchell Stark. Uh, but once Chris Gale came in, I mean, he looked like he was a man on a mission to actually take on Josh Hazelwood. A couple of three, I think it was three boundaries that first over changed the dynamics of, of the power play. And even if Lyndon Simmons was dismissed uh, in the sixth over, you just sense that West Indies are going to cruise to this target and they did and Gale there was one economical over in between by Mitchell Stark when he was brought back into the attack but after that Chris Gale uh, took on Adam Zampa took on Riley Meredith uh, his uh, fellow IPL teammate and ever since he started blasting those sixes through the middle of the innings West Indies were always going to go out and in, in a victory. Of course, Gale fell short, but then Nicholas Puran, who the captain batting at number four, I thought he played it. You know, just the innings that West Indies don't, batsmen sometimes don't play. He was 32 of 27 balls with four fours and a six. Um, and of course, Russell came in, thumped the first ball for six, um, and, and then basically led West Indies to a comfortable six wicket victory. Yeah, Gale, 67 off 38 with seven sixes and four fours. During that innings, he brought up his 14,000th uh, T20 run in across all T20s. And his record is astonishing, averaging 38 with a strike rate of 146, 14,000 runs. Really is uh, quite remarkable. His press com- his, um interview on the field afterwards was entertaining as always. A, a bizarre mixture of very hum- much great humility and great arrogance. Um, typical Chris Gale. <laughs> um, but from here, Gav, uh, what do you think the Aussies will do for the final two games? Will they ring the changes? I think they just people like Mitchell Stark need just to keep playing cricket. I mean, sometimes you feel like you got to rotate them. Uh, I think. Stark needs plenty of cricket under his belt, um, as do some of the batters as well. And I think they can't chop and change too much. I think if if you're going to play Matthew Wade and Finch at the top, uh, you know, Mitch Marsh, where does he bat? Does he, He's not going to bat at three once Warner or Smith return to this team um, or even Maxwell. He's going to be at four. So I think Australia's got to keep the batters in the place that they feel they're going to bat in the World Cup in two or three months' time. I actually like Alex Carey through the middle, especially against spin bowling. He's unorthodox in a way. Uh, he's, he's a left-hander, um, and I think he adds something. Uh, but apart from that, it's hard to get that consistency if you can constantly chop and change and play out of the positions uh, that that you're going to be playing in, in sort of two, three months' time. In, in saying that, I mean, Mitch March does bat at number three. Three for uh, you know while playing in the big bash, Philippi opens the batting. So if they're going to be playing, then they have to be bat up the top. So that's going to be the difficult challenge, I think, for Australia going forward. 
It's going to be really interesting, given that the conditions in the UAE might be roughly similar to what they face tonight, that players like Labashain and, and Smith and Alex Carey, who aren't quite the big hitters as others, those are the sorts of players that can succeed um, in those conditions. Uh, but then you look at the West Indies side, full of power hitters. It's, it's, it's an interesting dilemma as to which way to go. And also the, the, the whole dilemma of, do you go for out-and-out pace, such as Stark and such as Meredith? Or, um, you know, I noticed that, uh, Christian didn't get a bowl. Uh, Moses Enriquez didn't get a bowl. We didn't go in for the the second spinner. So it's the sort of pitch that if you're going to have that slow pace off the ball bowling, those are the sorts of guys that potentially could have succeeded. But uh, Australia went the, the different direction with more out and out pace. Dif- interesting dilemma uh, ahead of the World Cup as to which way they should go. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've got to look at what stocks are available. If there's not enough power hitting, you've got to look at a different approach. Or if you, you just go hard at the top and ensure that you have a long batting order. So all these questions, you're right. I think today's pitch was slightly different to possibly the first one. It did offer a little bit more pace in it as well. So I t- agree with Meredith playing, but you know, Ashton Agar and Adam Zampa have you know pretty much played around 70% of the T20 matches together for Australia over the last two or three years. So I was slightly surprised to see Ager missed out, who I think is a pretty good bowler, especially in the power play. And we saw general trends in T20 cricket on how successful uh, slow bowlers are right at the start as well. So like you said, plenty of dilemmas um, and plenty of solutions to find for Justin Langer and Aaron Finch. And we're focusing on the Aussies, but the West Indians, they are priming themselves nicely for a third, potential third World Cup title. They are absolutely stockful with power hitters, as I said, and their bowling is intelligent and very professional. So uh, any West Indian fans listening, we've been focusing on the Australians because we're a bit masochistic, but your side is looking fantastic ahead of this World Cup and great preparation, all these uh, T20... T20 games in conditions that might be similar to the UAE. In further success for the West Indies, West Indies women beat Pakistan in the third one day by eight wickets after having won the T20 series 3-0 in the first two one days of the five-match series. They've now clinched that one-day series. Pakistan made only 182, Sahail 62, and Anissa Mohammed took three for 25, Chanel Henry three for 37, and Hayley Matthews took two for 30. And then when the West Indies chased, she scored 100 not out off 122 balls as the West Indies won by eight wickets, two for 183 with 59 balls remaining. So a wonderful few hours for West Indian cricket. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to see not just the the, the men, but also the women. And especially I was pleased for someone like Hayley Matthews getting 100. She's been around in the system for quite a while. I mean, she's only a, a pretty young woman at the moment. But for her to take that game to the next level, that's really good to see. And great to see the West Indian women also on top, given that the Women's World Cup also, Paul, is only a matter of six to eight months away in New Zealand next year, the 50 over one, that is. And West Indies and Pakistan haven't yet qualified for that tournament. They're both going to be playing in Sri Lanka soon in in a qualification tournament for it. So you expect both of them to make it there. Uh, But uh, certainly the West Indies looking pretty good. Now, Gav, you didn't want to talk about this. The 100 playing conditions have just been released. There's going to be the usual Twitter storm. Uh, Don't appeal to you? It does appeal to me, but uh, it's still two weeks out. Plenty can change in England. Everyone seems to be in, well, either in COVID bubble, you are there enough players to potentially play the 100, Paul? That's my big question to you. Well, we'll get on to that in a minute because you're right. There's been a lot of COVID um, catastrophes occurring in, in county cricket. But just with these playing conditions, I love them. I love the fact that old people who are 
died in the wool traditionalists who've allowed English cricket to slip serenely from definitely the national number two sport after the war to now a sport where half the country doesn't even know it exists. So they're going to call, they're not going to, they're not going to call them overs. <laughs> they're going to call them fives, which makes sense. There's only going to be five balls in the over. It's not an over. So it's a five. And this is so easy for people to criticize, but I think 126 ball overs is less intuitive for a, a new fan to the game than a hundred um, than, than a hundred balls being divided into 20 lots of five and calling them five. So I think it's wonderful, and I also like the fact that they're going to have DRS. The the one thing I don't like is that there's going to have that they are not going to have super super fives. I should get my terminology correct in the group stage. They're very concerned with I think scheduling, and they're going to just split the points in the group stage. I think that's a, a missed opportunity to create a bit of drama. Yeah, I, I look. I'm appreciative of the format because I think cricket continues needs to continually evolve. I've mentioned it before on here that sometimes you feel that T20 cricket, especially in India when the IPL is on with the two half-minute timeouts, that the game could, you know, exceed even sometimes four hours, which is, again, almost pushing like one, well, more than one inning, so for a 50-over cricket. So you want to sort of truncate that and make it still more of an appealing. Uh, we've seen broadcasts talk about, especially in the IPL, between over 7 and 15, there's a drop in ratings. You want to keep eyeballs on TV. And this is the way to do it. Sometimes have different tactics. Uh, it's slightly complex, but hey, at the end of the day, going back to 2005, um, not many people wanted to play T20 cricket and we've seen it's taken the world by storm. So I I like it. Yes, there's different terminologies and I am a traditionalist, uh, but I do agree that I think this is how you attract new people to the game. And one other thing I like is that there's going to be, if the team's behind in their overrates, uh, they're going to actually penalise them during the game. So that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. And I've always wanted this to be brought in for Test Cricket. I don't like the idea that you can make up with some some part-time offspin late in the day and sort of half, just about get the overs in when maybe at the tea break you'd only bowled 48 overs. I, I think this is um, something that could be pretty good. But as you say, Gav, will it actually happen? There is a real lot of COVID problems in County cricket. Peter Hanscom, unfortunately, has tested positive to COVID. He's had to withdraw from Middlesex's game against Leicestershire. And the Derbyshire versus Essex game had to be abandoned after one day because an unnamed Derby player tested positive for COVID. They had to put the entire squad into self-isolation, plus the players who'd played in their recent blast game, and they realised there just wasn't anyone left to play, so they had to um, call that game off. Kent against Sussex. Kent were forced to name a new squad after an unnamed player who'd played for them in the blast tested positive as well. So um, there just seems to be these COVID issues bubbling along with the cases rising in England. You're right, Gav. Let's let's hope that we can get the 100 through and get the, um, the Indian series through and that everyone can stay safe over there. Yeah, and uh, should England test stars be free as planned to play alongside the, the franchise teammates? I mean, it could ultimately threatened their availability for that you know August test series against India which is the flagship of the English summer um, so you want likes of Ben Stokes and Josh Butler and everyone to be playing in that and it's vice versa I mean do the Indian players who I know are going in a bubble I think today or tomorrow they're going to have COVID tests done they will go in a bubble in Durham they'll play some matches but they Will they be allowed to go outside? Would it be a soft bubble, hard bubble? Uh, same questions that they were asking uh, us during the Australia series. I think we're going to see the repetition of that during that England test series. And lastly today, the PSL, the Pakistan Super League, has got a bit of a scheduling challenge next year because Australia 
is scheduled to tour Pakistan in um, February and March, uh, which is when Austra- when they normally hold the the Super League. So they might have to push it back to April and May, which would mean it would clash with the IPL. Not that there'll be um, players that would be able to play because no Pakistanis play in the IPL, but it could be interesting to see those two massive tournaments clash. Although I would say, as an Australian, watch out if Australia is likely to pull out of a tour. That, that <laughs> we've certainly got form in that. In, in that regard um, we're running out of time Gav it's been great to talk to you as always tune in to Cricket Daily it's on every day every weekday at 3pm in Sydney time and that's one in the morning for those of you listening in St Lucia On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.